This is Market Scales Knowledge is Power with your host, Brandon Fluger. Hello again, everyone. This is Brandon Fluger. And in this episode of Knowledge is Power, we'll be exploring several topics that shed light on one particular leader's pivotal moments in her exciting career, what she's learned from those moments, and how she continues to share her knowledge and expertise with others to ensure the next generation of young professionals are equipped to continue progressing the industry forward. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll want to stick around for the end as we have a special sign-off before next week's episode. Alas, joining me today is Karen Scott, CMO of CloudSpot, a leading situational awareness and intelligence solution company. Karen, welcome. Thank you, Brandon. I'm very excited to be here. Karen, well, before we dive in, um, I love your background. I think today's episode is going to be uh, really impactful for people that are looking to uh, looking for inspiration, looking to grow their career, and really just looking to grow themselves professionally, whether they're, they're younger, whether they're in the middle of their careers, or whether they're looking to make a career pivot. Um, especially in these times, we could all use a little inspiration, a little confidence boost. And um, I'm excited to unpeel a few layers and really uh, help them understand, you know, some of the things that helped you get to where you are um, and how you're helping others do the same. So um, tell us a little bit about Karen Scott. What really shapes you into the strong leader that you are? Yeah, thanks for that question. That, that really made me uh, you know, look in the mirror and think, think it through quite a bit. But there, there are a few things as I, you know, hindsight's always 2020, right? Looking back. Um, one is, you know, empathy. I think it's always important to understand what is happening across the table from you, whether that's your boss, your employee, in your personal life with your children, spouse, whatever your personal life is, is made up with, competitors, partners, um, understanding their mindset and where they're at and what they need from whatever you're trying to go do, partnership, relationship, deal, really helps me anchor myself in the conversation and understand how to um, exert my influence and push my agenda by making the other person win as well. And I, I'm sure we can all, you know, reflect on moments where you feel, you know, boxed in or they're not understanding me or nobody's listening or any of that. And I think, you know, if I reflect on, I often reflect on dadisms as I'm getting older, things my dad said. <laughs> and uh, I love it. And what, you know, we hate it at the time when we're young, but it, it, it stick with it because it actually does come back to you. But he always used to say, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. So make sure you listen a lot more than you speak. And so that, I think, has really helped um, guide me, you know, in many ways. That's amazing. Dadisms, channeling your inner dad. I think everyone can relate to that. And uh, I certainly have a long list of them as well. I'll have to share this with my father. <laughs> I'm sure he'll add a, a few more just uh, in response to the one you gave us. But um, sure. yeah, I know empathy is, is a big one. Um, you're involved in quite a lot of things. Philanthropy being one in particular um, that I'm interested to hear more about as well. Um, but again, Peloton. I heard through the grapevine, the Peloton bike is growing and growing in popularity. Are you on the train yet? It is. I'm on the train, and uh, please follow me if you would like to. My hashtag is uh, Napa Badass. Badass is a uh, 
is a, a inspirational group that was founded by the former CIO of, uh, of Cisco during the COVID time to bring people together to help motivate each other. So that's, uh, that's the hashtag of the group. But, um, you know, Peloton to me is, is amazing, especially in this time of COVID, because it makes you feel like you're part of a community. It makes you feel like you're part of something bigger, which I think is actually true about all of us. And it, it's hard to sometimes feel that connectedness as most of us are working from home and sequestered in our environments and disconnected from, at least for me, the office environment tends to give me a lot of energy and inspiration mm -hmm. and being able to climb on, you know, a stationary bike, but be connected into a room with hundreds of people from all over the world and high-fiving each other and, and having someone outside pushing you to take it to the next level uh, is, is just a pretty amazing thing. And I have a quick side story to tell about Peloton. So Peloton, if yes, you're listening. Yes, let's hear it. I'm a big advocate. Um, I finally did the math and decided I was going to buy a Peloton. It would, we, it would amortize. It would be less expensive than the gym membership that I'm not using anymore, <laughs> you know, in a short amount of time. So I went ahead and bought it. Um, skeptical, not understanding why a stationary bike was so expensive and all this kind of stuff. And two weeks later, I get an email from the CEO thanking me for my purchase and reimbursing me $400 because wow. uh, the next day they were announcing, well, they were announcing a price increase the next day, but they wanted to protect people who had purchased the bike and not yet um, taken delivery of it. And I actually blogged about this and put it on my LinkedIn page. I was so blown away because that was one of the most brilliant marketing maneuvers moves I think I've ever experienced. Why? For $400, they created an advocate and a vocal advocate at that with a lot of followers who didn't even own the product. Wow. Talk about marketing nirvana. How do Amazing. you create ad passionate advocacy? I was out there telling anyone who would listen about the Peloton and I didn't even have one yet. I've never been on <laughs> one in my life. So, yeah. uh, so kudos to Peloton. Somebody out there did the math and said, it's going to be a lot cheaper just to refund the money and it'll have a lot of positive benefits. And, uh, and you guys were right. So thank you for that. Amazing. Turning someone in from a skeptic who just purchased it, hasn't even gotten delivery into a, a big advocate, um, even blogging about it and posting it on social. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's, yeah. that's awesome. I really uh, can, can um, connect with you and um, resonate with you on this idea of being connected and being around your colleagues and being present, uh, listening and speaking and connecting with colleagues to, um, you know, understand the common goal, the greater goal of the team, uh, the sense of yep. togetherness and, and helping each other win so we can all win. Um, I'd like uh, to take us back in time a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you got started in marketing, what you've learned along the way. You mentioned beginning in journalism uh, earlier on, you've held leadership positions at some uh, amazing companies as well. You know, take us back in time and tell us a little bit about how you got started and maybe touch on some of the major learning moments along the way. Sure. Yeah. Um, so truth be told, I had a mad girl crush on Christiane Amanpour. I think I still do in many ways. <laughs> and, uh, and, and thought there was nothing cooler to do with your life than to strap yourself on the front of a tank in the middle of a war and report literally from the front. And uh, writing has always been my superpower. Uh, you know, I actually made a whole bunch of money writing term papers in college. Um, so that was sort of fun. I wish I understood that an A should cost more than a B, but I, I wasn't smart enough back then. <laughs> um, 
So I didn't. It was sort of the flat fee. But I learned a lot about topics I, I never knew of, like French Impressionism, art, and all kinds of things that I never elected to study. Um, but, but, but in any event, I was absolutely taken by that. And so I went ahead and got a journalism degree and studied journalism. And I actually began working for, for CNN and Fox, doing some reporting and some you know, editing and, and production and all this kind of stuff. And uh, the whole switch to marketing, um, it, two things happened there. Uh, you know, one is I found hard news reporting a bit constrictive. It, it's very much who, what, where, when, or should be anyway. Um, and the creative side of me wasn't really getting exercise. So I decided to go take a job at a public relations agency where there was a variety of things you could write, white papers and, and blogs and press releases and all different kinds of things. Um, so that was very exciting. And, uh, you know, this harkens back, I won't call it a dadism, but it's, it's a momism I tried to teach my own kids, which is, you know, be exposed to everything and what's important will stick, right? As my kids were growing up, I always encouraged them to try everything, whether it's Boy Scouts, basketball, this, that, the other, because what's really important and what you're excited about will, will end up sticking. And, uh, and that, that happened to me when, uh, I'll never forget the day, this PR agency, which focused on travel and tourism, landed a small technology company, I'm really going to date myself here, uh, called Videologic, which had the first video adapter cards that went into computers. We didn't have laptops back in those days. And enabled you to have video, you know, on your computer. And yes, folks, for the earlier stage career people listening, there was a time where video was only on the television. Um, and I was blown away by that. I couldn't absorb enough of what was going on. So I raised my hand and said, I will take this as a stretch goal. I leaned into the opportunity. I took it. And that was the moment that I was bit by the technology bug and uh, I never turned back. So that's the, uh, the honest truth about how I got into this fascinating and wild business. Uh, and, and from that journey on through all the companies I've been involved in, you know, the thing that excites me every single day about technology is how it can, and it really can, change the way we can live, work, learn, and or play. And every job I've taken in every organization has had some nugget of that that's really attracted me and, and made me excited about the, uh, the technology that that we're working on, not the least of which is CloudSpot today, which um, you know, I'm not going to go into a big CloudSpot pitch. You guys can go to the website and check it out. But, but the ability to help organizations and schools and businesses open and reopen safely in this time of COVID with PPE detection and football and all this stuff, that to me is an honor and, and an immense opportunity uh, more than anything else. So that's, uh, that's, the, that's the beginnings of the, the uh, tech junkie in me. Amazing. I love it. Um, tell me about some major learning moments. You've had various positions at various companies along the way here, and I'm sure our, our listeners will want to, they'll, they'll look you up first of all and see your profile and, and wonder, you know, wow, she, these are great experiences. Um, what did you learn? Was there a pivotal moment at or, or, or during your career where you're just like, wow, that one sticks with me today. And you know what, I'm going to continue honing in on this. And I want to make sure that I can mentor and teach others this same um, learning moment, whether it was um, a fork in the road, you had to decide to take this decision versus another one. Talk to us about yep. that. Were, were there any pivotal moments that really stick out to you? Yeah, there, there, there was one that, that, that sticks with me, you know, today still. And I, I've used it both in my own coaching and, and again, with my kids. 
Um, I was working for a small startup company uh, that did video sort of teleconferencing. It was trying to compete with sort of the polycoms of the world and whatnot, a latitude communications. And um, I was in the job maybe 30, 45 days, just really still in the beginning phases of it and walked into the office and, uh, and we had an all hands meeting and uh, it was announced that we were being acquired by Cisco. Now, before I finish the rest of the story, let me say that I loved every moment of my 10 year journey at Cisco. It was magical. Uh, and uh, I was honored to be under the leadership of John Chambers during that era and uh, every single moment of the ride I enjoyed. That said, at that particular moment in time, I remember crossing my arms saying that I am never gonna go work for that company. I will get lost in a company that big, routing and switching. I have no interest whatsoever in plumbing. This is never gonna work. It's not happening, I'm not going. And I remember walking into my boss later that day saying, first of all, is there a reason why you didn't tell me we were in the process of selling the business? You know. Obviously, you knew that 30 days ago. Um, of course, I didn't say it that way, but but that was my point. Uh, and then I basically said, I'm volunteering for the layoff package. I'm not going to work in that sort of a thing. I, I will die. This is not who I am. And I remember him saying, do me a favor. Give me 90 days. Help us through the transition. And if that's really the way you're feeling, then I give you my word. Being a uh, born and bred New Yorker, I was very skeptical. So I said, great, put that in writing and you got a deal. So he put it in writing and I you know, said, great, I'm in it for 90 days and then I'm going to be laid off and go figure something else out and take the package and that's going to be that. And maybe around day 45, somewhere midway in that journey, I was bit by the Cisco bug. My blood still runs teal is the joke I have with the rest of my Cisco brethren out there. Uh, I was just captivated by n number of things I could talk for quite some time about the magic that was uh, that was Cisco back in those days, and uh, thus began a 10-year journey. Uh, and had you asked me to place a bet at that moment, I would have bet lots of zeros that I would absolutely <laughs> never set foot in that company, and, and I did. So that was a pivotal moment, and it really helped me learn a lesson, which is give everything a shot and never say never. Never is a pretty big word, and, uh, and I was wrong to use it even on myself in that situation. Amazing. To look back at that, and um, as you mentioned, if you could have told me, I would have spent 10 years there after I was 30 days into a job and I was uh, nearly, I was convinced 90 days would help change my mind or not. I'd say I'd bet on myself there and, and say, I'll take the 90 days versus the 10 years. But what a magical 10 years it was, it sounds like. And um, magical. What, what a time it was. And, and I'm sure, as you mentioned, there are so many different stories to tell within that experience. Um, and within that experience, I, I'm sure along the way, the, the same way you were given that advice, give me 90 days, Karen. Um, and, and if mm -hmm. at the end of this, it's not a fit and you want to leave, I'll, I'll agree with you reluctantly uh, and let you go. Um, within that 10 years, I'm sure there were some in coming to present, I'm sure there were some times where um, you had a mentor-mentee relationship um, that really sticks out to you, uh, where you were um, using your, your knowledge, your expertise, your experience, and helping grow some of these teams um, from the ground up or growing some of these uh, younger professionals into more experienced, more leadership positions. Um, tell me about that. Are there any specific memories you have? 
uh, throughout those years of mentor mentee relationships um, that help make form uh, make inform some of the decision making along the way. Sure. Yeah, there, there, there are many, but the one that um, that I'd like to share because uh, I've been on both sides of this equation was, um, you know, there it, it was at Cisco and we were uh, we were doing a layoff. It was during the, the, the tough, tough times when the economy was turned down and, and basically every company out there was uh, was doing riffs and things. And I had a manager who knew that uh, that she had to make some some tough choices in her organization uh, and they're never easy decisions, of course. Those are super painful. But it was the first time she, first time manager, and first time having to do this sort of a job. And uh, and she came to me very distraught and stressed, and I can't do it. And can you do it for me? And all this kind of stuff. And while your instinct is to say, sure, let me let me go help you, um, that wouldn't have helped her, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, I had unfortunately been through that drill a couple times before. But this was her first, and I reflected on my first uh, time having to do that, which was god-awful. Uh, they're never easy. Um, but she needed to go through that, and I had to coach her through it. And the lesson I shared with her, which, you know, giving back is an amazing thing. You get a gift, and then you give the gift later, and re-gifting is actually good unless it's a fruitcake, as they say, right? <laughs> um, but the, the gift that mine I, – I don't mind fruitcakes, to be honest, but anyway – the gift that I learned when, when I was on the, the receiving end of that is I had a, a mentor tell me um, two things. One, obviously, you have to find a way to depersonalize a highly personal and emotional exchange. So that was difficult, number one. But the other thing she coached me, and I later coached this other woman to do, is find a way to leave your stamp on the process. And she sort of looked at me quizzically, like, I, I don't even know how one could create, create a positive impression in a difficult situation. And so I shared with her what I learned. Um, my decision at the time that I had to go through this the first time was I made it my point to help. I had to do it with three people. Uh, I promised each of them that I would do whatever it took to help them land their next job. And I did. Uh, whenever the call came in, whenever the coaching opportunity came in, whatever doors needed to be open, whatever meetings I had to broker. I stuck with these three people until they landed into their next job. And I felt that that was my way of leaving as positive a stamp as I could on a very difficult situation. And so she went off and, and found her own way to leave a stamp. But, um, but that lesson um, stuck with me and I was honored to be able to pass that on. Yeah, gosh, it kind of it, it goes back to your first point here uh, in this conversation. One of your pillars is uh, empathy, um, helping mm-hmm. others win as well and helping them succeed. Um, while you've, you've gone through uh, major decision making throughout your career, obviously, some of the, the hardest ones are the most personal ones and finding a way to depersonalize that um, and help them find a, a way through it as well. Uh, it's got to be a, a a hard line to uh, navigate and walk, but um, at the end of the yep. day, making the effort to continue to help them because it is a, a gift that keeps giving. Um, if you can give a little, you get a little, you keep giving. Um, and, and fortunately for you, you're in a position to continue giving um, as you continue working hard and progressing your own career as well. So um, tell me a little bit more about, about those, those folks or um, perhaps you have other employees in mind that you've had on your team where um, you're able to help them grow professionally. You mentioned being able to coach them, take a call. 
uh, when they needed one or to recommend them when they asked for one. Are there any mm-hmm. um, ways that you, tips or tricks that you help groom your uh, management team or your younger professionals that maybe you see a diamond on the team and you want to make sure that they're, they're groomed the right way? Is there a uh, any way in particular you help your employees grow themselves professionally to make sure they get the most out of their potential as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, the, the, the strategy that I have found useful for me anyway is um, offering to take a bullet because I think, you know, we talked a little bit about risk, risk and reward and, uh, you know, you can't really succeed in life unless you're ready to risk failing. Another dad isn't there, of course. Um, but I, I often find it. Yeah, there you go. Keeping the score. <laughs> I should record these for him too. He'd be happy to know something he said stuck in my head. Cause I'm sure growing up, he thought type out my other ear, but anyway, um, that's, I see that with my kids sometimes, um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you know, taking risks, especially in the world of business, as long as they're calculated and data-driven risks, um, only good can come of it. And the people that really grow into, leadership positions and even individual contributor positions that, that do quite a bit. Not everybody wants to be a manager or, or a leader, but you can still make your mark in, in many ways, you know, is finding a way to take those calculated risks. And more often than not, what I find with earlier stage career folk or first time managers, you know, as you will, they're terrified often, many of them in, in taking a risk. They want to do the best possible job they can at their job and going outside the bounds somehow feel scary. And, and what I found, and I learned this lesson from, from a, another boss, I can share that story as well, is, you know, if I take the air cover, if I say to them, and I have said many times, hey, try it. If it works, I'm giving you all the glory publicly. If it fails, just take care and tell me to do it. Happy to take that bullet any day of the week. Um, and it, it lifts a cloud on people sometimes. Right. And, and, and not everybody and not all the time, but many times I've seen that provide the energy and the passion for people to really charge forward on exceptionally good ideas that they might have been nervous about or shy about, uh, you know, trying something different or suggesting something out of the norm or trying to zig when the world is zagging. And I have found that that really helps people um, have the win and, and feel so confident that they can go off and do it again. And eventually they, they don't necessarily need the air cover going forward. And I'm happy to take bullets. I've taken plenty of them, no problems. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, it kind of speaks to uh, almost a culture um, that you provide with your teams as well. Just touching on that, um, being mm-hmm. able to uh, take it publicly, uh, but behind the scenes, you know, let them, you know, teach them where they, they went wrong or, uh, teach them maybe what you would have done if it did go wrong. Um, so having that culture of, you know what, I've got your back and together as a team, you're going to succeed, we're going to succeed. And I'm going to make sure you get the credit for that and that people see that because at the end of the day, you did take a risk and most people in your position might not do that. Um, so being able to to give them that freedom, really give them sort of uh, letting them spread their wings and put wind in their sails, uh, if you will allows them to reach their full potential, um, as you mentioned, whether they are aspiring to be in leadership or management or whatever it might be, everyone's got a role uh, in the team. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, and another, another strategy that I found where it works exceptionally well, I think, is giving credit to people, maybe not always when they fully did it, right? For, for, for example, 
um, wanting to boost somebody a little bit more so they lean in a little bit more. There have been times where, you know, I've done the lion's share of something, but I've said publicly that Susie's the brainchild behind this. It was all about Susie. Yay, yay, Susie, you did it, Susie, to build confidence because sometimes that's what, uh, that's what sometimes people need. I think it's important as a leader that we know everybody's an individual and you can't, if you have 15 people on the same job, you got to treat each one of them in the way they need to be treated, if that makes sense. And sometimes there are people that, that need that first boost of encouragement publicly so that they can feel confident to go do it forward themselves. Certainly. And to that point, Karen, um, everyone's got team members. Uh, they all uh, beat, have their own beat uh, that they walk to. Um, tell me, how do, you, how do you handle having such a, a different, uh, different backgrounds on the team? Uh, everyone's got their own quirk. Every, everyone operates a little differently. Um, I'm more visual. Some people uh, prefer to read it. So tell me, how do you interact with your team uh, across the board uh, to make sure you're communicating effectively with each one and connecting with each one? Yeah, I think, I think it's two things, you know, one, and again, something I learned from, from a prior manager uh, is understand what makes everybody tick because what makes you tick is not what makes me tick is not what makes Timmy or, or June, you know, tick. And, and there's always going to be a nugget as you get to know somebody. That's why one-on-ones are so important. And all, the biggest mistake I see managers make is that days get busy and things get crazy pushing off a one-on-one and let's just catch up another time and nine times out of ten the person will say yeah because I need the time too don't defer those those need to be you know sacrosanct and in sand because it's an opportunity to learn about the other person a and b for them to learn a little bit more about you and and you really shouldn't replace those unless you absolutely have to, you know, family emergency or something comes up that, that, that you just have to do it. Um, and we're all guilty of it. Everybody does that. And that's the easy meeting to push off till next week or, Hey, we're all caught up. Let's skip this week. But, but if you take the time consistently, you will find the nugget in each person that answers the question that you just posed, you know, what is the best way to communicate with this person uh, and, and use that as a platform a, and then B, the other thing is, you know, really having moments of cross collaboration within the team. And I know in this day and age, it's very hard to do because we're relegated to zoom and teams and, and WebExes and that sort of thing makes it harder to, to do that, but finding ways to connect the team. So they understand the dynamics in between and amongst the team, right? Back in the day, pre COVID, we had things like, you know, team building and, and, and outside. It's funny. We spent a lot of time planning how to get out of the office and now we're sort of <laughs> always out of the office thinking about, are we going to go back and planning for a safe way to do that? So it's interesting how the world flips, but those two things have, have, uh, have worked, I think pretty well. Yeah, uh, definitely. I really enjoy that. And um, yeah, the collaboration, the camaraderie, just being back in an office around your colleagues brings that energy um, and brings people back together as, hey, this is the team and we're excited to, to work for the company and do amazing things and, and push things forward. Um, speaking of pushing things forward, um, 2020, obviously it's been one heck of a year for better or worse mm-hmm. um, in business across the board, some industries succeeding and excelling a little bit more than others. Uh, tell me a little bit about your year in review and tell me, uh, as a newer member at CloudSpot here, what are you excited about for 2021? What are you excited to bring from your experience to the table 
to help transform what y'all are doing and to communicate more directly with people in this remote world that we're living in at the moment? Good questions. Um, yeah, 2020 year in review, that might take quite some time. So <laughs> I think we have a lot of lessons learned and, and a, lot, a lot of lessons that will come clear, you know, as the years roll by, it was, it was a year unlike any other. And I don't think, you know, anybody was, was expecting um, what we're still, what we're still in right now. But um, you know, the first part of your question, what's, what's really exciting to me about CloudSpot, and you talked about my philanthropy side, and, and, and that's a big piece of who I am, the opportunity to help so many organizations and schools and businesses to further their reopening strategies and do it in this, quote, new normal, next normal way by making sure spaces are safe, people feel that they can still come back to the office in, in a way that, that provides for PPE detection and all these, all these acronyms we never even thought of bef before this year hit um, is really a gift. And I'm very excited to, one of the reasons I joined CloudSpot uh, was because we had this immense technology that really lets people uh, you know, transform the way they're gonna do business going forward. So that's super, super exciting. And you know, to your question about 2021, Times like this, when there's crisis going on and there's crisis happening within us, in our businesses, in the world at large, of course, um, it's always good to go back to some of the basics. And two of the basics that I learned early on and I take with me, you know, everywhere I go is one, um, the voice of the customer, listening to your customers and championing their voice and letting them tell your story in their voice is better than any kind of marketing you're ever gonna go do, uh, honestly. The credibility, the authenticity, the passion, the gratitude that customers, and not just at CloudSpot, you name a company and, and, and you have the, my Peloton example. Here I am as a big advocate and I'm you know, <laughs> certainly not on, their, not on their payroll. I didn't even have their bike you know, when the bike, my experience happened. You, know, you can't actually buy that. You couldn't have written an ad like that, right? You couldn't have paid me to be as authentic as I was in that Peloton, I mean, maybe you could have, but probably not because I, I, the passion was so genu genuine. So going back to the voice of the customer and looking for those examples and stories and, and giving them the gift of using their voice. You know, so many marketing people feel I can't ask this customer and I'm asking too much to do a case study or whatever. I challenge people to flip that around and look at it as a gift. You're giving somebody the chance to champion and tell their journey and their story. And, and few people don't want to lean into that, you know, the 10 minutes of fame, if you will, or whatever else. So that's one. And then, then the other thing in going back to basics and every company I've ever worked for is guilty of this. Not, not, not that they're being bad people. It's just natural. We're all inside out. And what I'm always saying to folks is our opinion, my opinion about what's exciting about CloudSpot is completely irrelevant. Why? Because I work here. Of course, I think it's great. Of course, I love our technology. Of course, I understand what we do and how we help. What's really important is what is the message that the market is going to believe? You know, I can say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but is that really what they're going to resonate with? No. And so I, I always say, let's put ourselves back to my empathy point. What do our prospects and our customers and our partners want to get out of this relationship? And, uh, and, and you always will come up, I think, with a far better answer. It reminds me of a, a case study I studied in college once about the Chevy Nova. Uh, oh, there yeah. was a, 
right? There was a whole program about coming up with an economical car that was good on gas mileage and affordable by families and, you know, big opportunity in the Latin, Latin American market and all this kind of stuff. And some brilliant marketing person came up with the idea of calling it the Nova because, of course, the Nova is the bright thing in the sky and power and all this. Did a big presentation. Everyone said, let's go, Chevy Nova, except for in Spanish, Nova means doesn't go. Take yep. the time to go outside in. Had you asked a bunch of people in these Latin American countries if they thought the Chevy Nova was a good name, you might have avo- that person probably lost their job, um, but you would have avoided a fairly costly mistake um, in that case. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> Flipping yourself inside right? out um, and having the customer's perspective, the client's perspective, the partner's perspective. Um, I really enjoy the the part you mentioned about. Um, case studies. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, uh, you know, don't have the time right now. I'm, I'm swamped. I'm underwater. Um, but really having this relationship and being able to transform that relationship to make it about customers first, turning them into fans and being able to afford them opportunities to highlight themselves, to highlight the great work that they're doing. And at the same time, touch on how y'all together made that possible. So uh, I definitely yeah. resonate with that definitely resonate with. And there's one, one other strategy that probably a lot of marketers already know. um, But I discovered later on in the game is if you make it easy, people will do it. So what do I mean by that? If you write the case study, even if it's 40% correct um, and hand it off and say, Hey, can you review this and edit it for me? You're more likely to get somebody to lean into that. than to your point, can you write something from scratch or can you do something from scratch or I need some time same thing with press releases. I've been, um, it, it's, it's far easier to get somebody to approve a quote in a press release than it is to say, Hey, can you add, give me a quote I can put in my release. So when you, when you do the job for them, uh, I think you'll get to yes quicker, even with busy people. I love it. Absolutely. Um, let's finish with this. Uh, I, I like to sign off and I mentioned it at the beginning here that we'd sign off with, uh, something special here. Uh, give me your favorite quote, Karen, uh, your favorite quote and why. And, um, you know, it could be anything about what uh, motivates you in a professional work, uh, what motivates you personally. Um, let's, let's hear one or two. Sure. Yeah. I tried to boil it down to one, but, but I couldn't, so I will give you two of them. Um, one awesome. I got from a, a boss many years ago who said to her team all the time, you know, we always, have everyone has a situation where work is driving me crazy. My boss is making me nuts. I don't understand this policy. My colleague is making me crazy with this, this employee, whatever it is. We all have had those, those situations uh, in, in life and in, in every job. Um, she said, she would always say, be grateful for your problems. Hundreds of people would love to have them. And boy, how true is that? No matter how nutty things might be in your particular job, uh, there are a lot of people that would love to have your job, especially right now when, when we're going through some tough times, you know, in, in the world uh, and certainly in, in the technology sector right now. So I always remember, remembered that. Um, and that does motivate me because it reminds me that, you know, these are really not problems. They're obstacles. And let's go figure out the solution to them and, uh, you know, find some gratitude in, in having a job that challenges you and makes you think about things, even, even if it's uh, not pleasant. Yeah. So that's one. And, um, and then the other one that, uh, that is both, you know, uh, professional and, and personal, I'll give you a personal anecdote on this one. Um, it's kind of a battle cry 
when you're going through hell, just keep going. There's basically no alternative. If you are in hell, whatever that hell happens to be, it's a product launch that's going south, it's whatever's happening, um, you know, there's really only one way through it all, and that's just through it all. Uh, and that always gives me a lot of energy. And I'll leave you with a personal anecdote on this. Um, part of my philanthropy, I'm involved in an organization called the Overground Railroad Project that helps asylum seekers uh, who are living on the bridge south of our border in Matamoros to find a peaceful way to, to come through and have their cases heard. And uh, talk about going through hell. One of the trips, I had three of them down there. Um, we were in the bus station in Brownsville where ICE would drop off people who were released and trying to get on buses to go to their sponsors and all this kind of stuff. And there was this flushing moment where they were trying to flush the system. So instead of 12, 15 people coming through that the volunteers would help figure out where's the bus ticket and where am I going and connecting with sponsors and here's a food packet and some money and all this kind of stuff. Um, literally 1,100 people pulled up. Wow. And I will never forget that because I was there with four other volunteers and it was uh, seven o'clock in the evening. We had been there all day helping people. 1,100 people unannounced roll in with wide eyes, first time setting soil in America with this quizzical look of what the heck do I do? And what do you do? You, you, it was hell because we were there till four o'clock in the morning, but we made darn sure uh, every single person had their bus ticket and had their snack pack and had made connection with their sponsors kind of gives me goosebumps to think about it. But that yeah. was the only way through that. There was no other way through that than just going through that. And, uh, and so when you're going through hell, you know, keep going. That's the only way through it. Yeah. Amazing. The impact uh, that, that keep on going can have not just on yourself, but, but others that rely on you indirectly or directly, whether you know them or not. Um, what an incredible story, Karen. That that's amazing. Yeah, it was a great experience. And I, I cannot wait till COVID's over and I can go back down there again. It was a very <laughs> rewarding experience. I'd love to join you. Um, if the opportunity presents itself, I'd love to help in some regard, whether it's going down with you or uh, getting involved in some capacity with the yeah. railway, railway project. So um, well, you're, you're on my hit list now, Brandon. So I'm on it. What you volunteer for. Yes, Sign me up. It. Send me the All email right. blast. <laughs> I'll be there. We're going. That's I love great. It. Well, Karen, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it, it's amazing to speak with leaders like yourself that have so much uh, experience with situations that um, others can truly learn from and try to implement in their, uh, in their own careers. I think being able to take calculated risks and have the support of a superior, um, whether they take the fall for you or or you, you take the fall, but uh, they take it for you. Um, just being able to have that freedom, to have that wind in your sails, to uh, be able to spread your wings a little bit um, with the support of, uh, of a superior or, or leadership is important. I think a lot of people now can certainly resonate with that um, as they try to make an impact, as they try to continue innovating and moving their industries forward. So thanks again, Karen, for joining today. Everyone, Karen Scott, CMO of CloudSpot on today's podcast episode of Knowledge is Power. Karen, thank you. Thank you so much, Brandon, and uh, happy holidays.